with your eyes closed and worshiping. And in this kind of presence, through the songs, through the instruments, I'm aware of God that that there's some inner healings needed. And I'm not going to call you out. There's a few in here that you need some healings within your heart. And maybe everybody just put their hands, both their hands on their heart so nobody's aware of anybody. But there's some inner healing needed. And God will do that right now in this presence, in this kind. There's been some disappointments in some lives here right now. And I really feel like God wants to interrupt and intervene in your heart right now. The word that I get is there's been some misbeliefs about your life because of a circumstance. There's been some misbeliefs and miscontemplatings about God, His care for you, and about your very self. And God wants to heal that in your heart and undo that thing, that lie that's becoming a stronghold in your life. There's a misbelieving that he's going to heal that and intervene. There's a misbelief, a misconception, possibly through disappointment, whatever that is right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you relate to that, I want to see your hand. Nobody's looking. I just want to relate so I can go on to the next thing. Just raise your hand between you and God so I can go on to the next thing. I see hand. I see hands. I see the hands. Good. Now, drink in that presence right now. Let him undo that thing. That's a word of knowledge, a misconceiving, a misbelief. Kind of like an unsurety about God's faithfulness towards you, his love for you, his involvement in you. God, Lord, you erase that today right now with your love. Release it right now. The manifestations of the Spirit are given to every man, that every man, that all would profit by. So with every word of knowledge, there's a presence of your realness to heal some hearts tonight. Misbeliefs, disappointments, misconceptions. Lord, minister that. Heal every area that's broken in heart. Right now, by your Spirit, by your presence. And every person that has acknowledged you receives of that grace, receives of that glory right now. You intervene over the misbeliefs right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Touch every heart. Touch. Touch every heart. Touch every mind. Touch every heart and touch every mind. And with that presence of God, I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say, Touch their heart and touch their mind. Heal their hearts and heal their minds. Let them know how God really is. Lord, pray that over your friends. Pray that over your family. Touch their heart. Touch their minds. Touch their hearts. Touch their minds. Lord, I pray for my brother, Horace. Good man right here. Lord, touch his heart. Touch his mind. Touch his heart. Touch his mind. Touch it right now. Any misconceptions, misbeliefs, touch it. Heal it. Fix it. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, man. Let's worship Jesus, will you? He's so great. His love and kindness. His tender mercies. Let's all worship Him, will you? Lift our hearts to the highest measure.
to the point where you feel God's reality. You sense it. Break open the alabaster box. Just give God his best. Give him your best. Worship Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Yeah. If you put up Matthew chapter 14, we're staying in an attitude of worship. Everyone else, you can have your eyes closed right now. It doesn't matter. Maximize the moment between you and the Lord. You hear Him in the corporate a lot stronger than you do individually. The 22nd verse, Cain, uh, I believe, yeah, 22nd verse. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship. I really feel impressed. I'm going to read this by principle. Because I want you to know that God's not left you, that he's answering you. You just got to find out where he's at. And this scripture lays it out that he was in a mountain. And you can close your eyes. Let God minister to you. Matthew 14. It says, Jesus went to a mountain. And he sent his disciples in a place. The boat. Some of you right now, you're not feeling God in a strong way, in a, in a real way, but I want you to know he hasn't left you. He's on that mountain, so to speak. And Hebrew says that mountain is where he's praying for us. Hebrew says he makes intercession for us. Hebrew says that mountain speaks of the kingdom and it ascended Jesus. And in that place, he's praying. He makes intercession for us. Will you say, thank you, Jesus, 
that you make intercession for me. Though I don't feel everything, I know that the Word of God alone says that you're praying for me. He makes intercession for us. While you're in the place that He told you to be, while you're in that place that He's placed you and set you, like I was telling Horace, you find your place. Let God set you in that. Take root and begin to bear fruit. That's the way of God. So you're in that place and you're going, hey, God, I don't know. But know this, that he's on that mountain. He's forever making intercession for me and you. And there's three phases that you'll find in God. You can be seated if you want. There's three phases. You guys keep playing for a while, will you? And if he's on that mountain, the good news is he's making intercession for you and me. If you're in that phase. The other place is you're about to see your prayer answered that he's coming down off that mountain he sees you where he placed you and he's coming towards you amen so he's either praying for you or he's either coming towards you because he told you where to be and he's looking there he knew the place he set you he know the boat he put you in say he's praying for me Hebrews 7 says he's making intercession for me and you Say, there's a season that he's coming to me. He knows where he's placed me. He hasn't forgotten me. Amen? Or the other phase is that he's calling to you to come out of that boat and meet with him. What phase is it? If you know the phase you're in, you could walk in. If you know that phase, you could follow that. If you know you're not feeling it and you don't know anything, say, God, you're interceding for me. I know that by a divine principle of your word. If I sense you coming to me, I'm okay with that. If you're calling me to get out of the boat, inspiring me to have some faith to walk on some water, I'm listening. Say, Lord, you're praying. Lord, you're coming. And Lord, I'm listening. And that's the phases that you're in in our lives, in our walk. The main thing is to be placed where he told us to be placed. That's it. Then God begins to do the rest. That call to come inspires us to have faith like we've been singing all day. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And with your eyes closed, with a sense of reassurance, say, God, I know you're involved in my life. I know you're answering. You know, there's, the Bible says there's seed time and harvest. There's winter and summer. Springtime. That's the word of God. Everybody's in different seasons. But this season here, there's a season of answering. God's answering. God's answering. God's answering your prayers. Hear what he's saying. He's answering. This is a word for, for many, not just a few. Can you put up Isaiah 40 for me? Just drink it in and receive from God. Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Verse, I think it's four, okay? Say, this word's for me. This is a many word right now. A many word to us. A many word to the church. A many word to us. Not just a few people. Let's read it together. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough places will be made like plains. Let's see the next verse, Cain, if it goes any further than that. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it. 
together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Let's go back to four. We've been talking all the time about Hebrews chapter 12, that God is shaking things. And that we, we're receiving a kingdom. And don't you know, don't you know that when things are shaken, plates, in the earthquakes happen, plates shift. Things that are high, sometimes they become low. If you've lived in California, you, you know that's what happens. I remember one in Oakland, in San Francisco area. It was flat, but at the end of the earthquake, some places were higher. The plates shifted. Some were lower. But God's doing that for our lives. Say he's shaking. Let's go to Hebrews 12. I'm just doing this to exhort you so you can help locate you, so you can hold on to some things. Amen? I'm not teaching. I'm giving you words of promise here. I think it's the 28th verse, Cain. Let's all read it together. Wherefore, we receiving, say receiving. I want you to stop right there. And I know God's going to shift it in you, and he has for me as well. There's times in our lives that Mark, the 11th chapter, says, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you've received them. Say, receive them. It's, not, it's almost like a passive-aggressive posture. You're in surrender, and you've called on, on this word, you've called on that promise, and you're receiving it. Say, receiving it. But you're going to find out in your walk in faith, you might stay there for a while. I'm receiving. God, I believe I received. Lord, I believe I received. And then there'll be a shift. Say, a shift. The shifting of plates. And then you'll find yourself decreeing a thing. It's a little bit different, a little less passive, a little bit more aggressive. And God will move your heart to go from, I've received it, to I'm decreeing that thing. When you're there, you're about to see that thing happen for your life. Say, I believe I received. But when God shifts that decree, it's a little bit different. Jesus said it like this, he that believes has. Say that with me he that believes has so when you make that shift you're not just saying lord i believe i received you're saying i am i have right pay attention tell your neighbor pay attention pay attention to that shift from i receive i receive he's new every morning right god lives in you tell your neighbor he lives in me in a real way he's alive in me he leads me so if he's leading me to receive you feel that shift in God, you'll wake up and say, I have. He that believes has. I am healed. I have this. I am this. There's a strength in that. And there's a shift in that. You're not just, I'm, I'm receiving, I'm receiving. We start that way. That's a beautiful thing. But then he shifts and say, you have it. I had to do that when I first became a Christian. Lord, I pray, I call on your name, I receive you. And then I was afraid to say that I, I am a Christian because I'm not that perfect guy. But God influences your heart and say, he that believes has. Just say it. I am your son. I am your daughter. I am healed. I am well. I am a member of the body of Christ. I am I am, I am, I have. He that believes has. It's not some promise way out there. We live it and experience it and have it. Say shiftings. Making the crooked places straight. Making the high things low. As you're walking with him, God's doing that for you. Amen? Say he that believes has. With your eyes closed, whatever it is for you that you've been believing you're receiving. And you know there's a shift in God. There's a shift in your heart to say, you know what? I'm decreeing. I am. I have. 
Whatever that is. If it's healing, I'm not just believing I'm receiving, I'm healed. There's a strength in the I am. He is the Christ, right? And every time we say who he is, he tells us who we are. Peter said, you're the Christ. And he told Peter, you're a rock solid guy. Identity comes. Reality comes. All we got to do is cooperate. Amen. You got that area that you go from receiving to decreeing. I am healed. I am a son of God. Whatever you're struggling with. Yeah, I am. I'm saved. I am going to heaven. You don't got to sit there in that balance. We do that way too long. If you've received Jesus Christ, you are. Say you are. Say, I'm going to heaven. That's an absolute. Jimmy constantly tries to hammer that for people that are into crazy false doctrine. If you have Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he that has the Son has life right now. Amen? First John says, these things are written that you might know. I talk to denominational places all the time. And they, they stay in that, in that level of Passover. They stay in that place of, am I going to heaven? Am I not going to heaven? Am I going to heaven? Am I not going to heaven? And they stay there, but there's more to Christ. Say there's more. If you've received Jesus and accepted him and meant it in your heart, you have eternal life. These things are written that you might know. Say no. Not think, not hope, not guess. I know. Close your eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you've never accepted Jesus in a real way from your own heart and called from your own lips... I want to give you that opportunity that you can have a no-so salvation from this moment on. No more struggling. Maybe I'm going, maybe I'm not. I don't know. But right now from today on, it's a no-so salvation. If you've never accepted Jesus and you want to make that connection and have him birth that life in you of himself. Every head's bowed. No one's looking. I want you to raise your hand to heaven and receive that right now. You feel him drawing your heart. You feel him tugging on your heart. I see the hand. Go ahead and lift it all the way up there. There you go. Lift it all the way. I see those, both those hands. Both those hands right here. Now I want every one of us in here lifting our hands with them. And say this with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And you said, whoever comes to you, you will in no wise cast out. I'm coming to you right now. I receive you right now with my mouth I confess Jesus as Lord and with my heart I now believe that God raised him from the dead I say Jesus you're my Lord right now I receive you right now you save me right now you come into my life right now I'm born again Amen. 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 Let's give him glory. All of heaven rejoices when one person turns their heart to God. It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Say all things have passed away. Every funky thing that I did in my life, every ugly thing is passed away. And all things have become new. And all things are of God from now on. Amen? All things are of God from now on. That's good news. Amen? These things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. 
And this is the answer. He that has the Son, say, I have the Son, has eternal life. That's First John. Say, Lord, I know I'm going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. I have a no-so salvation. Now, Lord, let me continue to build your kingdom. Quit worrying about heaven. It's there. Thank you for the beauty of it. Amen. We're going. He that has a son has life. We're going. But now it's about building this kingdom. Amen. About transformation. Say, grace has saved me. By grace I'm saved. Through faith it's the gift of God. And grace is sanctifying me, transforming me. And grace is delivering me. And grace is furthering me. Amen. Amen. Give God thanks. Will you? Go ahead. Yeah, give God thanks. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. God, thank you. Thank you for salvation in the house. You that raised your hand, I want you to tell somebody what you did. I want you to say with the I am. I am God's son. I am God's daughter. I just prayed that prayer. God's entered my life. I am. Will you? Will you say that? Tell somebody. It's such a big group that you have to go very far to go tell somebody. You might have to run off, go over here all across the room. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Make sure you say that, right? Make sure you say that. Tell somebody after the service. Tell Arthur after the service. He, he's got uh, new believer stuff that he could give you. I believe he does. <laughs> got a little scared. I wasn't sure. But I, I remember it. Come to him. Ask him. Say, hey, I, I, I'm that guy. I did that, that prayer. I got life in me right now. All right? Then, then he can help you out with that next phase. Because there is a next phase. I want you to know. And God's calling for it. Do you know? Put up Luke 4 for me. Verse 16, Cain. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Love that. Love that. Go ahead. And take a break. You can take a break. Bless your heart, your forearms, your biceps. You can, you can sit down. You can sit by Beth. You can sit by Danielle. You can sit anywhere. And you can sit everywhere, actually. It's so lean today. <laughs> I try to tell people. There were 60 people here. I, I'm telling you the truth. Last week. Michelle said, are you kidding me? <laughs> I said, really, they were. Really, they were. Yeah, play that music. I would say play that funky music. <laughs> but, but no, go ahead and play it. It's a good day, amen? God's loving kindness, his beauty. Luke chapter 4. Let's go to... 17, I think. Remember what we're doing? Remember what we're doing in our lives? Do you remember the exhortation I gave last week, what we're doing in our lives to have God living daily and real in our lives? Say he's new every morning. I go to bed tonight and I wake up and he's new every morning. He wants something to say to me. He wants to talk to me, right? And this is what we practice individually. Say I'm practicing it individually. And we're practicing this corporately and we have for years. And it says, and was delivered him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, say, I open the book. I find the place where it is written. Say, I open the book. I find the place where it is written. One more time. Say it like you mean it. I, I open the book. I find the place where it's written. Wow. I'm, I'm thanking God for Arthur, man. That, that, man, that's like a vocal made me feel like 10,000 voice of a multitude it is that's awesome 
So you're doing that in your individual life. Say, I'm opening the book. One more time. I'm going to wear you out. I'm opening the book. I'm finding the place that it's written therein. For my marriage. For my body. For my babies. And God will speak to you, right? And he'll position you in that place. You just got to go to the book and find that place. And yeah, See, we do that corporately in, in, in the corporate Christ. I really feel God strongly opening the book for us, finding the place. And I'm telling you, that place for us, in this place, that place universally, God wants to take us far beyond Passover. Say Passover. Passover celebrates salvation. Amen? We're always going to preach the cross. Anna's been getting up the other day, and she gives me the word and says, Jesus came to seek those who were lost. She said, Craig... I need to do some seeking. I need to seek some people who are lost. We do that 24-7, amen? The day that you're born again, you can get other people born again. That's what we do. Say, that's what we do. Tell your neighbor, that's what we do. I'm not waiting for an evangelist. You're not waiting for some evangelist to have a revival. You're bringing Jesus to the lost. How's it go? He said, he came to seek and save the lost. Through who? Through you, through you, through you, through through me, right? And that's a Passover message. The beauty of Jesus Christ and the cross, right? That's the incarnation, God in the flesh. It's the incarnation. It was God all the while reconciling himself. All the while reconciling himself. That's the message of the cross, right? All along, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Right? But there's more. Say there's more. And see, churches camp out there with the incarnation. And, and maybe, like I told you, maybe even our own lives were a little sloppy with the, hey, it's Christmas time. And Jesus is king for a moment or for two weeks. But he's, it's more than that. Say more than that. The incarnation is, he's my Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's God that will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus Christ is the way. Say the way. No other way. No other name in heaven and earth where men might be right with God. Jesus Christ. Amen. But there's another phase and another step, right? Say there's a resurrection. And I want you to connect with God in a real way. and, And charge yourself in your own heart. This resurrection is Jesus Christ. How God raised Jesus from the dead. And it's much more than a Easter bunny story or much more than sometimes we mix it and reduce it to finding some eggs or something say this season God I'm all the more you know when I first got saved I didn't know hardly anything about anything but God will lead you he'll he'll lead you to the next he's eternal say he's eternal he's always on the move in you and I once you get him in your life he keeps moving in your life and I got to the point man and myself that bottom line is we just don't observe any day. Every day is the Lord's for us. It's for you that way too. Say every day is the Lord's. Every day is there, there's the incarnation of Jesus. Every day there's the resurrection in my life. Experiential. Not some storybook fable, Peter said. Experiential, right? But I believe when we open the book and find the place that's written therein that God's moving us. And he's, he's burdens our hearts. And he's burdened many men and women all across 
the nations and for, for his church, say his church, for the ascended Jesus Christ, for the ascended Christ. He's not here, right? In Acts chapter 1 it says, why do you men look here? He's not here. He's going up. He's ascended. He's seated on the right hand of the Father. He's ascended. Say he's ascended. And the moment he did, he descended and gave gifts and things to our lives. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's a dispensing Christ, right? See, listen. The mystery. I am the vine. Say, I am the vine. Say, I'm the branch. Say, he's the vine. That scared me. I thought I was, I was the vine. I was like, no, but run out of here quick. <laughs> so I am the vine. <laughs> no, he is the vine. That's a branch, right? That's the mystery that Paul began to unfold. That's the burden that God has for, the, for his people in the church. See, we, we, can't, we can't camp out at Passover. We can't camp out at Pentecost. We've got to move on into where God's moving us into. Where it's not just about our will, but it's about his will. Not just our callings, but his callings, right? Not just our dreams, but his dreams. That's growth and maturity. Going on to perfection. That's God's dream. That's the epistles of Paul. Don't you know? Don't you know? Paul said, I, let's go to Acts chapter 9. Let's work this out. Say ascension. See, it's necessary. Listen, everyone has their part. All the gifts and God's beauty, but there's order in those parts. Don't you know that Philip, the evangelist, he went there and he went into a city and he opened that thing up for Christ, the kingdom, preached Christ. Many people were, were made right with God. But then he stopped there and he said, let me call for some other gifts to establish this thing, to take it further. Say, take it further. That's the dream of God right now for us. Let's just read this together. Before I start any further, I, I, wanna, I want you to write in your notes if you're taking notes. Uh, the dispensing of Christ. Say the dispensing of Christ. And please get it. Read your Bibles, Ephesians 1, that, God, that Paul is pleading that we would know this by experience. See, it's not just doctrine. You know, it's like people tell me, well, I, uh, you know, I study a lot of theology. Do you know what theology is? It's a study about God. It's not an encounter with God. You hear what I'm saying? Theologians, they, they have a study about God, but they're missing an encounter with God. Say, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to keep it real. I'll study to show myself approved, but I'm looking for Jesus and experience an encounter. So are you. I talked to a young man and told him, and he was saying, like, I, I don't do all that uh, accumulated study. I said, don't worry about it. The simplicity of Jesus Christ is just simple, pure devotion, Paul the Apostle said. Just before him. Just open the book and say, speak to me in it. That's simple. And then encounter him with that. Have some changes in that. And then walk that out. That's real Christianity. That's the normal Christian life. It's not how much knowledge you have. It's how much transformation you possess. Thomas Kempis, an old dead guy, said this. I'd rather feel contrition than know the definition thereof. He said, I'd rather experience it, sense it, feel it, than just know definitions. Say, God, I want to know you. More intimately, more personally acquainted with. So there's a pattern, right? And as God's calling for it, and I want you to take, if you're taking notes, Matthew 16. I don't know what verse, but you can look at it. It's towards the end that Jesus 
takes his disciples through a lot of experiences. And at the end, he, he says, who do men say that I am? And, and, and uh, all the experience accumulated, he asks, and then all of a sudden the revelation goes off. And he says, Peter says, you're the Christ. Say, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he goes, hey, Peter, you got it. Revelation gave you that. My father gave you that. Flesh and blood didn't give you that. And he goes, and you're this. And he starts telling you our identity, right? Our identity. So it's say, number one, it's the Lord, the Lordship of Jesus, right? And then he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. It's his church. Say, he's Lord. Number two, it's his church. Three, it's his kingdom. And four, it's his cross. I'm going to show you the things that you're going to suffer. It's another side of the cross. See, the other side of the cross is we receive. Man, you're beautiful. And thank you for forgiving me of sin and all that stuff. But on this next level, Jesus is saying, the other part of the cross is that you take it up and carry it. You begin to serve, right? Say that it's a pattern. And in Acts chapter 9, it says there's another pattern, and we're going to read it. Say, the Lord, his church, his kingdom, his cross. Say, the Lord, his church, his kingdom, his cross. And Saul, yet breathing threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Next verse. And desired of him letters to Damascus. And every time in my Bible when I read Damascus, I write another language. I put, that's where Paul, Saul got demasked at. That's where God met him and took that mask that he was wearing, that we all wear before we come to God. Sometimes we still wear. And he'll demask us on that road. Say, God, demask me. See, sometimes when we come into a place like this, I, I, you know, I, I'll hug people and stuff. And you can see they're really happy in their mask. But inside you feel their pain. You feel, oh man, you feel the weight. You feel the pain. You feel that misbelieving or that lie that's been told them. But they still have the mask, right? Say the Lord will demask that. He'll save that. He'll heal that. Demascus to the synagogues. And that if he found any on this way, say the way. He said if you find any on this way, whether they are men or women... He might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Next verse. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly, say suddenly. There shined around about him a light from heaven. Some of you, you know, you can relate to it. We relate to it in seasons in our life. There's times when we have a mask and God's dealing with us, changing us, healing us. And those masks come off of us, right? And then sometimes we're just walking around in our own business. And it feels like a suddenly of God. One time we were walking this way, doing our own thing, doing our own way, and there comes this suddenly. Say suddenly. And I told a young man that talked to me not, uh, at the gym the other day, he said, Craig, I, I don't have a desire for drinking anymore. No, and I go, yeah, yeah, and I'm listening. He goes, no, you don't understand. I don't have a desire to do anymore because I really liked this. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. And I told him, Ride that grace. Grace will get you out of that. Grace will catapult you. Grace will further you. And when I began, when I gave my heart to the Lord, it was the Lordship of Jesus. I didn't know anything. And I'm telling you this so you can make it simple for you. But that grace began in my life, though I didn't understand and recognize it, but it kept growing in my life. And things began to fall off in my life. 
I followed that grace. I didn't have to do it like, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't, I won't. No, grace is leading me, and I'm saying yes to grace is leading. And then things are falling off. Say, I'm following grace. So I told him, ride the grace. Don't ignore it. You know it. You're sensing it. You feel that. Can you go back? And I had a young man, another young man tell me, hey, Craig, I believe God's transforming my life. Is transformation forever? And I said, let me answer you like this. If you've been transformed with God and you're going on, you could try to go back, but it would be hard for you to go back. After you're transformed, things begin to die in you, mortify. You you used to have that desire, but that desire is dead. Could you go back and pick it up again and make yourself just like when you first did? How many people smoked? When I was a kid, people grew up smoking, and they all coughed. Almost their lungs fell out of their head. First hit. Your body was rejecting it, man. First drink, like kerosene. Everybody, everybody, try this. Everybody does this face. It's not normal. It's not normal. But we conditioned ourselves, right? We start, and then you go, okay, and now you're conditioned. Well, then God frees you and delivers you, and, and grace sets you free from that, right? It would be like going back to that experience all over again. Try to pick it up. Can you? Say, I can. But should I? Will I? No, I'm not gonna. What for? I'm already free from it. Grace made me free from it. Why frustrate the grace of God? Walk on to your next. Leave that thing behind. God does that progressively. Yeah, I mean, I've seen tons of guys that I've, I've seen with God, and, and they go there with God, and they're free, and they're feeling good, and they want to bless God, and they want to begin to serve God in the house of God and serve other people. And then the other buddies go around them and say, what do you think, you're better than me now? And they didn't mean that at all. No, I'm not better than you. I'm just going a different direction than you. You want to follow? Follow. But then they, they use that thing, you're better than me, you're this and that, and then they start going back and playing around and against their own hearts. They start picking that thing back up, and then I got to visit them and take that over here in, in Texas, Coors Light, not Coors Light, Miller, what is it, Miller, I don't even know, the blue one that they throw in my yard. <laughs> Whatever that one is, they put it down, and I tell them, why are you in a valley of decision? You've already been free from that. You said you were free from that. Well, my friends, and, and I, I put that little bottle down, and I said, go ahead and bow your knee and worship it, because that's your idol. You've got to choose, man. If grace has chosen for you, why serve that? What does that give you? Huh? Makes sense? Makes faith. So, I, so you've got to give them a visual. Say, here it is right here. So that's what you say you can't not stop serving or you won't stop serving. And this cross and this one, God's much bigger than that little bottle, huh? Paul says all things are profitable but all things lawful but they're not profitable but i tell you what he meant he said but i'm not in bondage to anything nothing's going to keep me he said i'm under the power of none of it i could do any of it he said but i'm under the power of any of it amen so let me get off here say grace wherever grace is leading me i'm heeding that grace if you do that just keep looking at grace you'll look back in about two weeks and you'll be way over here and then three weeks way over here four weeks if you just pay attention to grace is leading instead of what you were doing say that's freedom amen so he goes as he journeyed he came near damascus and suddenly there shined around about him a light say a light from heaven 
Next verse. And he fell to the earth, and he, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Right? Get this. And he said, who are you? What did he say? Read it together. Inherently, just like me and you, when we're around God, we know that he's Lord. Inherent lordship. Our heads can say a bunch of crazy things, but inherently when we're around God and when someone tells about I've had young men, they tell me, I don't believe in God. I said, grab my hand and let's pray and tell God you don't believe in him. I can't do that. That means you believe something. Come on, let's pray. No, tell him then. You told me you don't believe in him. Tell him. He doesn't exist. Go ahead. They go, no, no, I'm scared. Uh, go figure, right? Inherently, they know he's real. Inherently, they know. So he said, who are you, Lord? All he had was a light. All he had was a presence. All he had was that thing. And he said, Lord, who are you? Denoting that he confessed, You're, okay, I give up. I surrender. It's lordship. It's you. I know it. Say, I know it. You know it in your life when he's asking for his lordship and that suddenly comes. When your life starts falling apart and he changes that and you go, Lord, you know, inside. You go, hey, you're real. I surrender. I surrender. Right? And the Lord said to him, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Say, he, he's the Lord. It's his church. It's his kingdom. It's his cross. So he has the revelation of lordship. He surrenders. He gives Jesus, I give up. I surrender. You're my life. And the next thing the Lord says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And you know what Paul's thinking? Paul's going, what? I didn't persecute you. And the Lord's saying, I'm going to give Paul the beginning of this revelation, this epistle. He's going to see it in a measure right here. He's going to see what's going to, when this ascension happens, what's really going on. And he's saying, I've ascended. When you were beating up Stephen, you were beating on me. You can't separate the Lord from his church. You can't separate Jesus from you. He's the vine. You're the branch. He's the head. You're the body. Huh? And Paul's saying, what are you talking about? Lord, but... I didn't kill Stephen. He said, you touched me when you touched Stephen. Say out loud. When somebody touches me, they're touching the Lord. When I'm speaking for God, when I'm giving them scriptures, when I'm giving that thing, if they reject me, they're rejecting him. If they touch me, they're touching him. There's no separation. Say no separation. There's a divine dispensing in our lives. That's the revelation that Paul began to see. How am I? How am I persecuting you? Next verse. And he trembling, astonished, and said, Lord, what will you have me to do? When it's lordship, we just say, what do you want me to do? Don't you know that in your life? You know, you feel that seriousness with God, and, 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 and you're playing around with this, and, and you go, oh, 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 what do you want me to do? Say do. It's believing and doing, believing and doing, believing and doing, right? That's the Lord and his kingdom. He says, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city. And it should be told of you what you must do. Next verse. And the men which journeyed with them stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he drink. Next verse. 
And there was a certain disciple at Damascus, say at Damascus, named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Ananias, he said, behold, I am here, Lord. Nice response, huh? Just say that. Whatever God's knocking on your heart, say, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he has prayed. Listen to me. The way of God, the pathway of God. Say this with me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? And I told you last week, not only is he the way, but he has cut a path. Say he's cut a path. He's designed a way that we grow in him, right? There's patterns that Paul's doing right here. Paul met him. I met the Lord outside the church. Anna met Jesus outside the church. I met him fumbling around. People came to me. I rejected it. And then one day I said, this is real. My heart is squeezed. I'm calling on you. Anna prayed a prayer, a simple prayer, outside the church. Say outside the church. But Jesus cut a pathway. He did make a way, right? We don't have to go another way. I told you last week, some people will barely will say Jesus is the way. Some ministers will barely say that. Even on news, well, Larry King, I'm not sure. I'm not going to judge that he's the only way. He is the only way. That's the gospel. That's a fact. I don't care if it's a minister or whatever it is. He is the way. That's established. But Hebrews chapter 12 says that he's the pioneer of our faith. Hebrews 2 says he's the captain of our salvation. What that means is he cut a path. You get it? He, we don't have to make our own path. He said, I designed a path, and it's, this is the path. You're going to meet me in lordship. I'm going to send you to a place called straight. I'm going to send you to a city in a straight place called the church. Say the church. And though it's been far low level, God still called it to be that entity. Where people that make Jesus Lord come into the church. And in that church, that's the, the straight place where they get instructed. Where they get imparted to. Do you know Anna came to me last week, or this week we were talking. And man, there was a beautiful presence, and I appreciate her heart. And she said, Craig, I know this scripture isn't exact in context, but when you said this thing about the church, say it's the straight way. Say it's the straight way. See, because this is a fact. You're going to find your identity in God, God-given identity, through the church, through God in the church. God will lead you there so you find the identity of God. Anna said, judgment starts in the house of God. She said, but you know what? A lot of other things started in the house of God. She said, when I came into the house of God, I began to learn how to worship God. When I came into the house of God, I began to learn how to serve God and serve people. When I came into the house of God, I began to find my identity in some... Some spiritual men and women prophesied and said, listen, girl, you're going to have a song in you. And you're going to sing before people. And you're going to do that, say, in the house of God. Identity in the house of God. It, it, that's the way that we walk. And if we just follow a minute, it's the best thing. If you go to a religious institution where it's all about doctrine, and, and you're not going to find them in that. But if you go to a place called Zion, you're going to find your way. You're going to find his path. And that's real. One individual asked me, how did you find your path? I just followed God. I, t I told Anna, I tell her all the time, if it wasn't for God, do you think I would for one minute be with a bunch of people in a group singing Kumbaya? That's not my gig. I can't do that. But he's real in that. And so they asked me, how did you find your way? I followed him the way. I followed that pathway. And when I was out there on, and called on the Lord, he sent people to me. When I was at work, he sent them. He said, hey, are you a Christian? All of a sudden, all these guys, you're a Christian. I go, yeah, yeah. I go like this, actually. Yeah, I think so. 
I prayed this prayer, but I, I think so. Matter of fact, I woke up the next day and this big voice said I wasn't. I'm struggling. They're, oh, yeah, that's what every, that means you really are. Okay, but I'm not feeling like I am. They said, why don't you come to the church? So, and God's leading that to the church. Why? To be a good old boy? No. It's the pathway. You find the identity of God in his Zion. You find what you're called to do. You find your running lane. You find part of your destiny and your callings to serve his callings. Say, in the house of God. See, I don't despise it because I know the beauty of it and the reality of it. And I know, and, and I know that these areas that the church is, you know, we've fallen short in a lot of areas. Say, fallen short. But God keeps giving his vision. And he says that, hey, you're going to meet him outside, Anna Dishield, what else she told me? So in the house of the Lord, in the house of God, it began for me, the callings. What else did you say? Revelation. Um, discipleship. I don't remember what else she said. You had to be in the moment. See, sometimes those moments happen, and we all, and I told her that. I said, you want to share that moment? No, I'm not feeling that same moment. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? You're in that zone when you're, you're primed, and you're going, wow, this is a beautiful thing. Go to, go to Psalms 84. Okay, no, 50. Psalms 50. And I'm trying to reveal a pattern, and, and, and I really feel strongly that, that, listen, I told you last week, 45% of young men that have gone to college and got their degree are living at home and not using their degree. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's a serious thing. That identity and their running lane and who they're supposed to be and how God DNA'd them is found in Christ and found in His church. Right? It's right for me. It's right for this one, that one, whoever said yes. <laughs> I go, right? Hello, hello, hello. Hello, 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 hello. Right, right, right. I just talk to myself. I do it most of the time anyway. Came in here, talk to God, talk to myself. Listen, let's read this together. The mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Next verse. Read this with me. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. See, that's the, that's the heart of God, out of Zion. It's, a, it's, not, it's not a Babylonian institution. Don't you know, don't you know that Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, those guys, those young guys, they, they were, the, the first verse says they were taken, those men of God were taken as gifts and vessels and given to a Babylonian king. Say, not me, Right? And when, what Babylon tried to do, and Jeremiah tells you about it, is Babylon started with Nimrod, then it went through Medo-Persia, and it went through all these things. And these, these young men, they got in Babylon, but they never compromised, right? Because Babylon will try to do this. It'll try to rob God's image. Say it robs God's image. And it robs you of your identity, who you're really made to be. In Babylon, they'll do that. They'll rob God's image and say, oh, he's like this, and this is the image that we created of God, and this is what he's like, and it's not what he's like at all. And then they try to take men's identity, God-given identities, and change it. I had talked to a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, Bruce DeLay, and, and uh, where's that scripture at? Psalms 87. Is it Psalms 87? Try fifth verse. It says, they were born in Zion. I was born in Zion. And I know it might sound like, these might sound like scriptures to you, but I think you're going to get it in time. It'll explode in you. And all you got to do is follow his way. All you got to do is follow his path. That's why I tell them, I told you last week, whether it has a certain level of revelation or it's teaching or whatever it is, follow the path that the Lord made. Find your running lane. Find your placing in that place. And then you're going to go out and use that gifting everywhere you go. You got to find that identity. 
that God made you. That, you know, I, I was telling me and Jimmy were talking, and I was saying, you know what? He's defining stuff with his son. He's defining them, defining them. And, and there's identifiers. Say there's identifiers in Zion. There's not in Babylon. In Zion, there's men that see. There's, there's prophet seers. There's identifiers. They'll say, this is who you are. I see you, what you're to be in the future. And this is what you are. This is who you're going to be. There's identifiers. And, then, and in Zion, there's apostles that are stone setters. They go, hey, what'd you say? You said he's, he's an anchor. He's solid rock. He's an el- Give me that guy and let me set him in the church. Let, him, let me set him. Let, him, let, him, let me set that stone and make that thing a pillar. Say identifiers. See, the, the thing with Babylon, it's robbed us. And I, my buddy was like this guy, and he got saved, and then he went to a, a Bible college. Say, there's nothing wrong with Bible college. Tell your neighbor. But if it has a wrong order to it, he said he went in there, and he said, the whole time I, I began to do it, I began to do it, but inside of me something was fighting it. Something was fighting that. And this guy, by God, is called as an apostle guy. He has that grace. He has that ability to see. But they tried to make him a, an exhorter. Uh, 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 a certain kind of shepherd, not Christ shepherd, a certain kind. And inside of him it says, I can't be that. I can't do that. i got to get out of that. I can't be that. Jimmy talked to me, and it rang into me all week long, and he said to me these words. He said, I talked to a man in, in, about the church, and I talked to him about it. And he said, well, aren't we just like you? Aren't we just the same as you? He said, trust me, we're, you're not. Trust me, you're not. And I looked at him in the eye and I felt that thing, but I go, are we, how are we seeing this? Are we seeing it properly, Lord? Yeah, trust me, we're not. You, if you go into Babylon, they want to change the image of God and they want to change the identity of you. And God's jealous for you and he's jealous for who he made you. So in Zion, there's a beauty. In Zion, you find that way. You find your identity. You find your gracing. You find your gifting. And you forget everything else and you follow that. He said, no, trust me, brother, we're not. They thought that we're camping out around Passover and that because we preach Jesus Christ crucified and men must be saved with strength and with fire, that that's where we stopped and camped. We didn't because we went on into perfection. We're going on with God. There's more to God. And we have to follow. You can't go back. You've got to go forward. You can't go back. And though whether there's five, three, or whatever... Whether, whether Babylon's promoted and Zion has a few and rejected, it's still God's plan. It's still God's reality. I, I would have fell away a long time ago if this was all this hokey stuff with uh, clubs and whatever you call them. Vote you in and vote you out. Man, I'm called of God and sent there and planted by him. Move me out. You cannot. That's God. That's the reality of Jesus. Where he places you and where he called you. No man could vote me in. No man could vote me out. I was sent by God. I know you say, yeah, he's he, he that fiery guy, whatever. <laughs> As they tell me that. Yeah, he, he, yeah get fiery, yeah. Uh-huh. Hear what I'm saying. Hear the sound. Feel the sound. Why do you think I live here? It's not pretty. Huh? <laughs> I live here because God sent me here. I left a place in East Texas as I already had discovered my gift. And as a matter of fact, I left California because the church that I was in, I was growing in. And I was fed in. I was nourished in. Say nourished in. And there was a great pastor there that had great mercy there. And he fed me milk and helped me grow. But then they were missing two other gifts that I, that I was a part of. 
So I moved to East Texas, and I look for a city whose builder and foundation is God. I look for those other two men, the identifiers, the prophets. I look for the other men, those place setters. They weren't in that church. So I had to go for the furtherance of it. But you got them here. I don't know why. Some people, I don't know. I'd rather just sit in the back. Craig is too demanding to serve God in the kingdom. So if you're not serving God in the kingdom, who do you think you're serving? Huh? It's differently than that God. I know. I know. People say that's just strong stuff. That's in Zion. We go from strength to strength every time we appear before God in Zion. We acknowledge his presence and allow him to move in Zion. We're trying to get the church to function as a whole and glorify his name with more than 20, 60, 100. I don't care. I still believe in God's dream. I still believe in you of Zion. Though Zion, you might be rejected. Who are they rejecting? Huh? I can't give it up. Amen? And of Zion it shall be said that a man was born in her. And the highest himself shall establish her. Let's go on to the next verse. And the Lord shall count. The, I think it says it, my translation like that. It says it like this. This one was born in Zion. That one was born in Zion. When you read the Hebrew, it's a distinction. They look different. You were born in Zion. You look different. You're born in Zion. You don't smell religious. You don't feel religious. You were born in Zion. You have a distinction in your life. You're not playing around. You're really serving that God that you're talking about. You're really living that life that he said to live. Say in Zion. Not in religion. Religion has a form of godliness and no power in it. It's a pretentious thing. But it's filled to the gills. That's why I don't watch TV like that. I turn it off. Babylon, will, they'll, they'll take the, the, a couple of the gifts of God and the tools of God and have a party with them, just like Nebuchadnezzar did. Daniel chapter 5. Let me have this gift and that gift. Those two other ones? No way. But let me, make, let me toy. Let's drink. Let's get high. Let's have a party, right? Let's tell us everything's okay. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Huh? A little bit feminine even and stuff? Huh? Not in Zion. Say not in Zion. I know, and I talked to Jimmy, and he struck me with those words, and hang up, go home, Trish calls. Talk to Trish about, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, man, there's this thing, there's this burden of God, this dispensing of Jesus, this is the purpose of God, this Stephen, you know, all that stuff I just told you. And he said, man, I never saw it like that. He said, get this, I was going to my church, and I was in there, and boy, I felt the presence of God. It was awesome in worship. And inside of me, I started healing a scripture. I started hearing a word. And they shut off the worship. Just like that. What happened to God being the head of the church? I can't. Man, we got another service at 930. We got to do two and three more afterwards. And then eat some donuts. Huh? That's not the Jesus you came to. Anna's been singing it. You didn't come to this. You came to a kingdom. You didn't come to this. You came to Mount Zion. You came to a city of the living God. Right? Am I scaring you away? All right. I didn't think so. Say it's real. When you get, you get right with God, you get saved with God, outside the church, you, he sends you into a place called straightway. He sends you into a place of giftings. He sends you into a place that has God's dream. He sends you into a place. If you want furtherance, you're going to find your way there. If you're serious about it, you'll stumble your way in there. You'll find your running lane. You'll find your calling. And then, then you'll serve his, right? 
Where was I at? This one was born in Zion. That one was born in Zion. That's a distinguishing mark. And don't you know, I hear reports all the time. Don't you know that people out of here, they go other places. They say, man, you're different. You're different. You're different. You're different. You're different. That's a good report. I just want to see it multiply in God. A city on a hill. So you got to know that Daniel, cha- Daniel chapter 1, you read it at home. Daniel chapter 1. Look what happened. They took those God men and put them in a Babylonian system. Those men did not bow. They did not serve other gods, any other gods. They stayed with it, though they were in Babylon. They didn't compromise. Say, I'm not bowing. And I'm not serving. And I'm not worshiping. Let's go there real quick, and I'm going to shut this down. Say, the beauty of Zion. See, Jeremiah stood in a figure and he stood on this pathway and he said i'm calling people to return back to this path return back to this path so you're not going to, to college and being the 45 percent that don't know who they are and i, I read another guy just getting up uh, there's some some guy there's an absence of fathering he says an absence of fathering and they're writing tons of books uh uh father hunger these psychologists father this where do you think the fatherhood is at it's in the house of god it makes families. There's a grace of God, an anointing of God, an authority to make you stable and a family, to love family. That's in the church, right? Say that's in his Zion. People are wavering. I go and I feel the, the, the heart of God and I, and I cry it out in prayer. And I go, they want their identity. This generation, once you find your calling and your gifting, I, you could do it right where you are, right? As you're in here and you're hearing it and God will wake you up. But if you're just in the job place like we were talking, I, I, I tell you what, my first area of gifting I found in God over and over again, I first got saved. And then I went in and I, I always, I started marking it. Journalize. Tell your neighbor, journalize. Write things down. They're not accidents. And watch the consistency of it. And God reveal it to you. And the first thing, the first, very first grace I had was in Romans 12. In, first, in Isaiah 11, the spirit of wisdom and counsel was in my life. I was 20 years old. I told you, 20-something years old. Some, some of these gifts were before I was even saved. Straight up. The gifts and callings without repentance, they come alive when you encounter Jesus. They come alive. And I was, I'd be in there, and there, these guys would be there for 30 years. The boss would call me aside and say, can you come in here? I'm like, 20. Yeah. Can I talk to you about something? What do you see? What do, you, what do I see? I'm not skilled in anything. What are you asking me? They've been here 30 years. That wasn't even in the church. What do you see? I trust you. I can confide in you. Tell me what you see. So I, I tell them what I see. Then I go into the church. And I'm there. And I was there for how many years? Five years in that church. They had elders set up. And then we would have, I, they said, I want you to come to elders meeting. You're not an elder, but I want you to come to an elders meeting. I was 20-something years old. And they say, all the elders would leave. And the pastor guy said, come here. i got to ask you something. What do you see? I said, you got elders. That's what they're for. I didn't know anything about elders, but I said that. You were, I said, you got elders. Ask them. They're, they're mature men. No, I want to know what you see. Then it happens again. And then it happens again, right? So it's a gift of God without repentance. It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with you. It's a gift that God gave you, a divine purpose and plan that he set in you forever. If you awaken to that and you find that grace and you find that gift, you can go further in what he's telling you. Say the gifts of God. As you discover them, and we're going to do that. I'm, I'm reaching for it. Beth said, you, better, you, you tell me, 
Well, when, when you're going to hit it, and I'm telling I, I don't know how, Beth. I don't know how to tell you. I'm planning on hitting it. Last week was a good week that you feel like you're seeing and you're stepping in there. But I'm there. You know what you got to do is you got to keep that guy on call. Like, okay, you say, you stay at the house, watch your granddaddy. Okay, it's, he's here. <laughs> like, come running, he's here. Because it's not the man, it's the grace. You can't make those things happen. But when they start happening, you want to be in that environment. That's why I didn't miss when I went to East Texas. When I, I took jobs, every job I could, because that was my provision. But I didn't want to miss the Lord. I want to see him when he goes up. I want to know more stuff. I want to know, hey, I'm not going to waste time here. I said that when I went to East Texas. I said, some of this stuff I'm not so happy with. I wrote in my notes, I want to know the God of the Bible and how he really is in my life. And i got to know. You get there, you're going to get there. Say, I get there, I'm going to get there. And you find your running lane. All of my buddies were crying out, what's my running lane? God, what's my purpose? you got to know, what's my purpose? What am I born to do? What am I born again to do? What's my running lane? What am I grace to do? Because if I find that grace, I'll find my place. And if I find that place, I'll have impact. Right? So if I never was a five-fold guy, guess where I would be? I would have went to school, got a psych- psychology thing. It probably would have not passed because of my <laughs> academic greatness. <laughs> probably would have went more years but i would have got that piece of paper because i had that grace and favor that's what you do you know i'm not gonna say music man i'm not gonna say that i sound like satan he has all these things i am worship (laughs) but when you find your grace he's not labor every time i ask him how you doing enjoying it you know what enjoying means take it in joying it i'm joying it why because i'm called to it and you know what else? It's a platform. It's a platform for him. I met a girl this week in, in, in the most unusual place. With the, Anna was with me, so you watch out. I met a girl in this place. <laughs> she said, say, Craig, I think you got off the path. <laughs> I think you went off the path. I met, I met a girl. My wife was with me, a young girl. Was in a job position. Sat in the chair, felt that thing of God in this gift of God. Say, it's nothing to do with the person. It's just the gift. And once that starts coming out of you and that grace is on you, that gift will make room for itself. Say, the gift will make room for itself. Wherever you go, you'll occupy. You'll gain ground because that gift is supernatural endowment. It comes from heaven. It's God. You know, why do you think, you know, I look at, I measure all the time these gifts and people. The Bible says don't look at no one after the flesh, but look at them after the spirit. And you look in their spirit, and you look. And I mark guys like Cain, and I go, look at this guy. I said, look at this guy in God. Look at this grace in his life in God. He's got a Midas touch. And I wait way back, and you speak into his life, and you identify that thing. You say, I don't care if you believe it or not, kid. Take it, because I'm telling you anyway. And then you look a few more years later, and you go, this guy's got more than that Midas touch. He's got an ability to create. There's something in that gift. He can create some things. Every business he creates succeeds. Created a, church said, he created a gun business in West Texas and gets 1,200 hits on the Internet and people buying? How could that happen? It's the grace and gift of God. Huh? No, now listen, when we talk about gifts, don't people get crazy and jealous and all that stuff. Just honor and respect the gift. That's all I do. You know what? If I was going to create something, if God didn't put it in me, guess what I would look for? Come over here. You're going to help me birth this thing. I'm looking at the gift, not the man, right? And we depend on that reality. Come on, I want you to build part of his kingdom in this area of worship. Find those ones that have a sound. Find those ones that are sopranos. It's the only one I know because it's Italian. <laughs> it's all Italian. Is that what it is? <laughs> They're all Italian? 
<laughs> sopranos. Find that gift. Find that grace. And, I, and you could lean on it. You could depend on it, right? Are you hearing me? Say, God, I'm hungry. Even if you're not, just lie to me. <laughs> Say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry to know your destiny for me that it might be for you. Oh, I went to the girl and I sat in the chair. Thank you, Anna. <laughs> then that, that's a help me there, dude. That's a help me. Yeah, that's what, that's what you want. She keeps it all together for me. God only knows. And she knows. They, when I go to the gym, they, they, they know. Most people do know. <laughs> They're just nice enough not to say. <laughs> Caleb does. He said, Craig, you, you can't remember a person's name in the gym. I said, no, I can't. He, but you can, so tell me. <laughs> I can't. They come in. I ask them every time. I say, how do you spell your last name? Because I don't even know their name. I, I try to do it polite, right? Polite. How do you spell your last name? Uh, I'm just a little blank on the first one. I don't know them, period. And he watches me every time. And he said it to me today. <laughs> you don't never know their names. <laughs> it's a doggone shame. I can explain it. I said, Anna, the guy with the hood? That he's kind of jumpy and nervous all the time, you know, or the guy that always is, has this. I know their postures because that's part of how I am wired. I'm wired to know the feel of who you are. That's how I'm wired. That's God's wiring in me. I don't know what you do or what you say. I just, what I see. I see. I know what this dude is. I go, I got this. Now let's wait for God to awaken this. So anyway, I went to the store. The store. I was in this place. I don't know how to tell the story without making details of the story because Anna said, be careful with the stories. Okay, don't make details because people know you're saying what the, about them. So I won't talk about them, but I don't know how not to to make the story clear. So here we go. <laughs> I will try this. I was, in a, I was in a place of business. Not a place. <laughs> doesn't even sound right, does it? I was in a business place, and there was a lady there, and uh, she was doing her job. And I sat in that chair, and I felt that God thing. I said, God's on this thing, identifying people identifying them so i she began to tell me some stories about her life and what she used to do and i said listen i know you i know your grace i know your gifting you're just looking for a vehicle and a platform you could do it right here story's gonna come out this is the way it's going because what she said and what i said yeah so i told her you're this and you're that and then she says i know that i said good she says i know that because i know you're that and I said, no, I know you're that. 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 I said, I know that you know that I'm that, but I'm telling you that you're that. She said, but I know you're that, because that's why you're telling me that. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. We were having a Costello in spirituals. So she said that. And I said, I told Anna, those, I don't know, I'm going to say that, because here it goes again, because you got tapes. And I just said, at least she got identified, whether she's in a place of identity in, in the local house that she goes, at least she got identified. God was already identifying her. And I just came in the flesh and said, you're this. And she said, I know I am. So I said, so now let's do this to further his kingdom. It really doesn't matter what you do until you get more exactness, but take the platform you have. This individual was saying, you know what? Because they were, they were like a champion, uh, uh, like Tumblr or something like that. And I said, you ever think about coaching young kids? It's a platform. Don't you know, you know, how do I do this? I, I love my dad, but the fact is coaches helped raise some of my life. I had a coach named Ken White, mayor of Carmel, California. First guy ever when I came into the football, the, whatever the thing, as a young guy, we had sophomores, juniors, seniors in Monterey, and he, he grabbed me like the second week of whatever, and he said, you're a leader. And I go, no, I don't know. I just want to go home. These are like two-a-days. 
I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. But he was a, he was a, he was a man, a man of God. And he said, I want to send you somewhere. I believe this about you. And, I, and, of course, I had no direction as a young man. So that man in that platform, that coach, which was really a man of God, called out something in my identity. And whether you think you know it or not or believe it or not, it put something in you. It identified it. It woke something in you. It said, this is who you are. So don't go off that way. Go this way. So somebody helped direct my life to a degree. And then you start finding out those callings. They're without repentance, and they last forever. And I'm just saying, they come in order, right? We'll go on to another day. I think we will. So did I finish the story that you were telling me? So she had platforms. It doesn't really matter. Her gift, she's just looking for a vehicle. Some of you are like that. You know your giftings? Like Joseph. Full on got a gift from God to administrate. He's what? 20 what? 29. He's over how many guys? How many? 13 or 14 guys. Some are older than you, a lot older, right? So beyond his years, the gift makes room and etc. right? It starts to happen. He functions. But there's more gifts in that. So like I told you about my buddy, if he just finds one gift of God, a supernatural endowment, and, and finds his place in that, identifies it, lets it be identified in, in, in God, by men of God, by the church, in the church, they identify it, and they already know it like this girl did, then she could just take any platform and begin to minister from that. Her thing was, I, I, uh, I, don't, wanna, I don't feel like I want to do the tumbling thing anymore. I said, you don't have to. I could do what I'm doing here right now. I'd like to go to a foreign land, and uh, if it's medical supplies or whatever it is, it gave her that platform. The, the gift, right? That's what it's about. Say, God, show me my calling more clearly. Show me my giftings. And then show me the vehicle. I'm the function in those. Yeah, and, and, and uh, I told you the story about me because I don't know how else to tell about other people, but, you know, I was talking to you about Tyler. And you uh, said, great wisdom and advice, but all he has to do, I said, watch what happens. He'll get in a job, and then along that job he'll be working, and he's asking for God, what's my destiny, what's my destiny? And then all of a sudden he sees a guy ready to commit suicide, and he's supposed to do welding, a pipe, uh, I don't know what he's supposed to do, flip a whatever. And he comes over, and he goes, oh, I can't, I've got to stop that. Man, how you doing? Don't, don't do that. Don't you know God? Look, he's got that mercy thing. He comes right alongside. He's, a, he's one of those guys that are a rescuer. God puts rescuers on job sites. People ready to commit suicide. He's got mercy. What, that gift leads him. And he's over there talking to that guy. Just like in my life, that grace, that guy said, come over here. Prophet, he didn't say prophesy. Sure he didn't. He said, come over here. So I've been in here too long. Come, come over here and prophesy, Ezekiel. <laughs> I, I, like I walked around with a robe and a long beard. What would you like me to do? <laughs> He said, speak, <laughs> speak into my life, right? Same thing with, with Tyler, exhorter. If you have a gift of exhortation, you can't help yourself. You're compelled to get along. If you have a gift of mercy, you can't help but say, hey, man, God's with you. I love you. He's for you. I want that. That's God in you, the gift. Some he gives mercy. Some he gives administration and rule. Some he gives insight, right? Say, I'm a member. Romans 12, in particular, you got a calling, a gifting. Awaken to it and employ it and watch it. You hit the moon with it. To the moon. Alice? <laughs> I'm almost done. You can tell. See how it goes? God, reality, and then humanity. See? You believe in the Hulk? You just saw it. <laughs> I was green for a while. Arr, big fist. <laughs> now I'm back to David Banner. <laughs> My pants are ripped. Don't listen to anything from this moment on. God help you. I, 
I'm almost. <laughs> thank you. Because I'm trying to find. Okay. Let's let's do this. Let's let's ask God in these weeks. I don't know. This is going to come in and out. I can tell you right now. Identifying in the house of God is important. And uh, in this place, we're, we're not going to have somebody feeling frustrated. Uh, part of the 45 percent. We're not going to have it because there's too much God in here. There's too much gifts in here. There's too much things to identify if you're hungry for that and want that real. Okay, so come, keep coming. Bring people that don't have this direction, that are hungry to find their placing, and not just be frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. And I, and I know before God, before that, I would sit on my bed and cry. They tried to make me a fisherman. Oh Lord Jesus! A man without direction, guess where he goes? He's a fisherman. That was me. They had no direction. Don't know where I'm going. Don't, don't know which way. Don't know God. Without hope. Without God. Without a covenant. I'm fishing on a boat. Twelve hours. 12 hours doing the best I could not to throw up. Not called to be a fisher of that kind, not a fisherman. Go home, uh, start at 3 in the morning, right? I row out in a little skiff to a big boat, freezing cold. <laughs> the captain guy says, okay, everybody's here, half asleep. Get the squid. It's frozen. It's frozen. Put it in your hands. Break it up. We're driving three or four hours outside. You won't see land. And I said, this is great. I go there, I'm making the bait thing. I do everything fast because that's just how I'm wired. Now I'm done. Now what? Well, you can go lay in the bunk. And the whole time I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Why couldn't I have direction? <laughs> Why am I so frustrated? I'm angry. I'm angry. I didn't say God because I, I didn't know God like that. I'm angry. I'm mad. Then the other guy that works with me, he was there a long time. He'd be get snotty. I, I just want to beat him up. That's how I learned. That's how my mom taught me. Say, they say something, you knock them out, Craig. Okay. Okay, Mom. So then I, this is my mom. I, so I go there. I said, this guy's frustrating me, Mom. I'm this close. I'm going to turn it loose. She said, you can't do that. You're a full-grown man now. You taught me for... <laughs> you taught me all those years. Do it. Matter of fact, park the car. Wait for me. When I was younger, with that guy, Mom, that big bully guy said, park the car. Get out. Whoop him. All right. Fight. Come back home. I get a black eye sometimes. My dad didn't help. You put your left down, son. You should have kept it up. Tuck your chin. You didn't tuck your chin. He didn't tell me nothing. I, I mean, fighting like a rooster. Front yard. My dad's calling neighbors. Come, look. Come. And he roots for the other guy. I'm serious as sure as I'm alive. His name was Marty Linares. Pam, Pam, hitting him. My dad's saying, duck, Marty, move. I'm like, who's your son? <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> Frustrated on a boat. I know I'm telling stories, but whatever. It, it's, I'm on a boat, come back home. I think it was 3 in the morning, leave, come back home at 8 that night. Get in the shower and still feel like I'm moving. Go to my, sit in my bed. I do that for on and on for days, days, days. I was responsible, nevertheless, until I finally got in the end of my bed. And I just, I, I told my mom, I just cried. I am so frustrated. That was, back then it wasn't the word frustrated. I'm frustrated. I don't know what's going on. I know I can't do this. I know I can't quit this. I don't know what to do. And that's about the time that, you know, the God stuff started happening. And then, then he took this guy that, that had no direction, and he set my course on a divine direction where I learned to find the calling, find the gifting, find the placing, and whatever it took to be that. And so here I am today with millions <laughs> yeah, glory. I'm with millions in a beautiful city. 
And every guy that comes to me in the gym that's from California or New York or where they say, why are you here? I say, because God put me here. I tell them honest truth. I said, it doesn't matter where you live if you found your place and where God sent you. And that's all that matters. So if some of you, you know, uh, you're feeling God shake you and, and uh, that frustration will turn to prayer and intercession, let, let's connect here. Let's keep coming if you're serious about it. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm tired of burping babies. I'm tired of throwing, cleaning up puke. I, I'm, I know what I'm called to do, and I'm, I'm getting, I got to do a little bit of it. No complaints, but there's much more in it. And I want to identify those. And I want to, them to get into their destinies. And I want them to start fulfilling. And I see them 20, 30 years later, they're leaders in that realm. That's the heart of God. And that's the gift of God, right? In the church of God. So tell some of your aimless guys, wanderers, to come find the place, man. Let them encounter God and find their place in God. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of gifts in here that, that are... They're going to be huge. Like I just, I mentioned, uh, Joseph, I mentioned Cain. You know, I mentioned Danielle. I mean, she has a, a lot of giftings as well. I mentioned a lot of people in here. And uh, I'm pausing for a moment because, uh, let's close your eyes for one moment. I'm just going to, I'll do the best I can with the scripture I got. You can keep your eyes closed. You don't have to look, but I'm going to talk to you. And uh, I, I, I get the book of Ruth that comes to me, and, and, and like, you're, you're, you're a Ruth, and that you, because you followed your Naomi, you're going to go to another phase. Because you followed your Naomi, and you didn't follow anyone else, and you followed that one, and you honored that one, and you began to be a, kiss, a, a, a cleaver, not a kisser, God's going to unfold you to the next thing. You're going to be this much closer to your inheritance. And God's saying, yeah, you're going to sit at the feet of a Boaz, and you're going to begin to warm those feet in the type of Jesus, and that's where you are right now. You're warming those feet. And, and don't worry about what's around you. Don't worry about how desolate it looks. But God's saying in your heart, you're that one. You're that one. You're one of those. You left it. You're cleaving to my will. You're cleaving to me. You're cleaving to my purposes. And, and you're being furthered. And you're going to sit at, at, at Boaz's feet. And you're going to about to connect with God in a whole other way in marriage in these days to come. But right now, you're at that warming of the feet place. And, yeah, you're that one. I'm acknowledging that. I, I don't know that whole book of Ruth. And I'm trying my best to recall it as God's given it. But that's, that's a good place to be. A cleaver. You know, I already told you that, that you're that kind in your life. You're always going to have provision. See, some people, they, they, they panic and they have to do this and they have to do that. But you're that kind that throws abandonment. And uh, you're going to find this provision all the time. But that's where you're at. So, so look for those feet. Warm those feet. And God, I'm talking, in God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what you do. And, and you'll do that for a season and for a while. And, and in that place, that's right, you're going to find handfuls of purpose. You're going to find God throwing you some sheaves. Like, look at that girl. Here, give her some of these. Don't tell her. Don't say anything about it. Let her have these. Handful of purposes. That's where you're at. Okay? Make sense? All right. Okay. I think I'm, I think I'm done. I think you guys are done if I'm not. <laughs> and furthermore. No. Jimmy, you got some. Go ahead. Please. He started early in this message about uh, knowing that you have received. You know, uh, at work, this happens to me a lot. Uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in, in a workplace or whatever, that uh, I have a shipment coming in, some kind of supplies. And uh, I 
I don't see them. I mean, they don't show up. And so I contact the guy who sold it to me, and he sends me the tracking number. And, and then I check the tracking number, and it says it was delivered. It was delivered a month ago. Somebody, so-and-so signed for it. It was delivered. Now I've got to go find it, but it was delivered. If you get on Yahweh.com and check your tracking number, your gifts were delivered at the foundations of the earth. Delivered. Signed for by the blood of Christ. Signed for. Delivered for you. They're in you. You don't have to go ask for them. They're in you. That's. Uh, I just want to... Leave that with you a little bit. And uh, the word, the, the name Zion, means a parched place. Parched. Beth and I have this kind of joke when we're in Odessa and we're fixing to head home. She says, "I'd like to get a drink. I'm parched." That's a Rosalie word. Now her mom would have said something like that. Zion is a place of being parched. To me, that means the people living there are thirsty. And I believe everyone here is thirsty. It's a good thing to be thirsty, continually thirsty. And that's what happens in a parched place. You drink and you're still thirsty. Not that we, you know, the living water doesn't satisfy, but you always want more of God, and you want it poured out. You don't want a little trickle. You want it poured out. You don't want to sit on the back row saying, I just want a little bit of Holy Spirit. I want it all on me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Craig. Anyway, that you want it all, that you want to drink it deep. You want it from now on. So there you go. We live in Zion, a parched place, but we have plenty of living water. Tom. When we were singing the song, uh, Have Faith in God, and the chorus part, um, I will never give, up, never give up, I will never let go of the faith he has placed in my heart. Well, I can... I can read words on a song, and I know how the song goes. And so I came to that part. Uh, I will never let go of the place. And I said place just unconsciously. And then I realized I said it unconsciously. And then when I got to uh, placed in my heart, I said faith in my heart unconsciously. And so there's a place that got his faith in your heart. And the devil wants to move you off your place. You have a place in Christ. Christ has a place in you. You have a place in the body of Christ. You have a place in this earth. God created you for this time, for this season. There is a place in you, and you have a place in the body of Christ. And that place, you, you see it by faith. You go to it in faith. You apprehend it in faith, just like when the children of Israel were going into the promised land. It was promised to them. It was given to them. But they had to step out in faith to actually possess it. So you have a place, but you apprehend it by faith. 